What's happening? What's going on, everybody? This is your host, William Moore, and this is Chill Time is Will Time. I'd like to say thank you once again for joining me on this epic podcast, this adventure I've been on for the past couple months. Um, I like the feedback that I've been getting. I like the fact that I have a, a nice little fan base that chimes in and lets me know how they feel and what they want to hear about. And I just want to say thank you to all of you who have been supporting me from the beginning and will cont- continue to support me. Um, with that being said, I'm going to go ahead and get started. Um, we got a, a, a sports-filled podcast today. Um, sp- a mixture of sports and uh, some, some, some racial justice, I guess, so to speak. But as always, or not as always, but a majority of the time, we like to start it off talking about graduate decisions. These stu- utter stupidity are the dumb things that we see out in the world every day that catch our attention. And I actually got two uh, uh, examples of graduate decisions that I'm going to talk about today. Um, First and foremost, Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. They're number one on uh, graduate decisions for for this episode. Um, The absolute utter stupidity of the two, knowing about knowing essentially what's going on in the world today, knowing about. The uh, the heavy handed message that the league is trying to send regarding the national anthem policy, but also the uh, the bigger the bigger story or the bigger cause or purpose for players uh, protesting uh, police brutality during the national anthem, not protesting the anthem itself, but police brutality. The other the utter stupidity of these two guys essentially behaving like house slaves or house Negroes to Jerry Jones is beyond me. Um, it really is. Now, some people will go out there and say, well, you know what? They play for this owner. Their paychecks are involved. They're worried about that. BS. Because the one thing that means more than money is your dignity and your self-respect. The dignity and the self-respect of your people as well. And lives, innocent lives that are being lost and lives that are being traumatized by police brutality mean a lot more than a paycheck in the NFL. But apparently these two brothers don't say so. 
And the other reason I think it's stupid is because the one thing Jerry Jones cares more about anything is winning because winning gets him money. And we all know that his team doesn't look too good or wouldn't be winning without Ezekiel Elliott or Dak Prescott. Being that they are two, two star players on the team, they, more than anybody else on that team, have leverage. They have leverage to be able to use their platform for a bigger purpose, a bigger cause, speak out against the injustices that are going on, and and make an impact. Really uh, uh, show that they want to be on the right side of history. But they don't want to do that. So for that, I got to give them uh, the, the, the first place trophy for graduate decisions today. Now, second place trophy, to be honest... Should be a first place trophy with it. It should be Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott are 1A, but this should be a 1B. And I got to give this second graduate uh, decision trophy actually to myself. That's right, everybody. I got to give graduate decisions a graduate decision trophy to myself because I, in my idiotic self earlier this week, I had the nerve to walk into a Target wearing a red t-shirt and khaki and khaki shorts. And get annoyed at the fact that people kept stopping me and asking me uh, questions. Now, for any of you who don't understand the significance of this, I don't see why you wouldn't. The reason uh, why this is significant is because if you don't know, the basic uniform of a a Target employee is a red shirt and khaki pants or khaki shorts. So this whole time I'm walking around the store, people keep stopping me, asking me questions, and stuff, asking me questions and stuff like that, and I'm starting to get annoyed, right? And at one point, I remember going, what do I look like to you all? And then it's at that very moment that I turn around, and I see my reflection in one of the mirrors as I'm walking through one of the aisles, and I see the fact that I got a red t-shirt on, or I, I, I recognize the fact that I have a red t-shirt on and some khaki shorts. And at that moment, I'm like, oh, that's exactly what I look like. I look like a Target employee. So, you know, that's one of those brain freeze, uh, stupid moments uh, that I think we all have from what, you know, at any given point in time in life that I got to uh, recognize for myself. You know, I got to put myself on. Unfortunately, I got to put myself on graduate decisions for this week. Uh, but hey, you know what I'm saying? They say if you can't laugh at yourself, who, who can you laugh at? You know, it's good to be able to laugh at ourselves. Um, criticize ourselves, find fault in ourselves from time to time. And uh, this is definitely one of those moments uh, where I had to laugh at myself. So for any of you out there that know me and listen to this, the next time y'all catch me, you know what I'm saying, trying to talk tough or uh, feeling myself a little bit too much, feeling a little bit too bold, y'all remind me of that this, this very moment. Y'all remind me how I need to humble myself with the fact that I did something pretty stupid this past week. All right. That's, that's, it also shows that you're being a good friend. <laughs> but uh, with that, we're going to move on to one of my main topics. So one of the main topics that I want to talk about today is how the media in America are very forgiving of racism when it comes from white folks, especially celebrities or athletes. And so what I'm referring to specifically is Milwaukee Brewers pitcher Josh Hader. Uh, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, he came under fire for the fact that a couple, uh, that he was, uh, it was uncovered that he had tweeted some racist and homophobic slurs back when he was 17 years old. 
So um, as punishment, the league decided, you know what? Um, we're not going to suspend them. We're not going to fight, uh, you know, or kick them out of the league, whatnot, which, okay, whatever. You know, I'm not going to uh, get bent out of shape about that. That's actually not a huge issue for me. They said, we're, you know, we're going to give them racial sensitivity training. Um, and so however you may feel about that, the, the thing that I, the issue that I have with the sensitive racial sensitivity training is the fact that, um, one training is not going to fix racism. One training isn't going to change somebody's mindset over racist behavior. Um, two, another thing that really bothered me is the Brewers organization itself did nothing but offer up, uh, nothing but excuses for the guy. Um, I'm not saying that they should have, I'm not going to say what they should or shouldn't have done. All I was going to, all I'm going to say is me personally, it seems like a, a, a formality or not very sincere. Um, especially, uh, uh, when they do nothing but, you know, offer up excuses. Pundits were quick to forgive him and excuse his behavior, citing that he was only 17 years old when he committed these indiscretions. Um, and so right then and there, you know, as I've already, you know, talked about these past couple of minutes, all we've really heard is like excuses, you know, excuses of, you know, he was young or apparently like he's a, they, you know, people are coming out and saying, well, he's a great teammate. He, you know, I think he learned from this. And those, that's what, that was several years ago when he said this and, you know, he got away with that. It's like, once again, we're humanizing and making okay, very negative behavior. And I don't think that, that it's okay with that. Um, and to, and to rub the salt in the wound even more of, uh, African-American, you know, Brewer fans or African-Americans in general, you see Brewers fans when Josh Hader came back and he had his first start, uh, since these revelations came out, he was given a standing ovation, a standing ovation from Brewers fans. So let me get this straight. The same type of fans who will punish, get mad, and can't stand NFL players for for not standing during the during the national anthem because they want to pro- protest police brutality. Um, these same fans have the nerve and the gall. They will applaud, get a standing ovation to another athlete for hurling out racial slurs and homophobic homophobic slurs. Think about that for a second. Think about where priorities lie, priorities lie, and obviously where where these Brewers fans uh what they see is important and what they don't see is important. It's I mean if you ask me it's pretty it's pretty shocking but I guess it shouldn't be because after all Milwaukee uh, in Wisconsin in general are, you know, Donald Trump did win Wisconsin convincingly. You know, Milwaukee was the home of, you know, Uncle Tom, self-hating Sheriff Sheriff David Clark. So knowing those, I guess I shouldn't be surprised at all. Um, and I should have been like, well, you know what? What else did I expect? Um, out of out of out of the out of the brewer, you know Brewers fans and maybe the Brewers organization. I know it may seem harsh to put out such a blanket statement like that, but facts you know facts speak for themselves. You know, for 
people who want to make the excuse that, you know, Josh Hader shouldn't be uh, vilified for making um, making these racist and homophobic statements because he was a kid. He was 17 years old. Please remember um, that Trayvon Martin was killed at 17 years old for merely wearing a hoodie. Mike Brown was killed at 18 years old. Tamir Rice was killed at 12 years old for having a toy gun in the park. And at no point did anybody that I know of, and at no point was there, you know, an outcry of excuses for these young black kids um, saying, oh, they were just kids. You know, oh, they were so young. Now, I heard that from the black community. But I didn't hear a whole lot of that from the white community. I heard I heard it from a few, but not nearly as much as you should have been hearing it, and not nearly as much as I hear uh, people making excuses for, for for Josh Hader's behavior. Um, so, you know, I don't need to spell it out for you, but you take that for what it's worth. Uh, it is what it is, um, and for I, I would I almost dare anybody to chime in. And try to justify that and make any sense out of that. You know, if you disagree with disagree with me on that topic, please I always open the, the lines of communication up. Hit me up in my email at chilltimepod at gmail.com. And we can gladly have a conversation about this. Matter of fact, maybe I would even let you allow you to call in on an episode and we can have that debate out um, one on one uh, for everybody else to hear. But as I'll go back um, to, to, to Milwaukee, on um, the city of Milwaukee. Like I said, I guess I shouldn't be surprised that uh, Brewers fans and people in Milwaukee would behave that way, celebrating somebody um, and gladly welcoming back someone who hurled out racist and homophobic tweets. Because overall, Milwaukee, you know, um, and Wisconsin, or I'll leave it, I'll, I'll, I'll take it back. I'll, I'll, I'll focus on Milwaukee itself. Um, it's kind of a, just a racist city overall. Um, Milwaukee is known as one of the worst places and maybe the worst place for black folks to live in the in- entire country. I need you to let that sink in. And I'm not just going to make the statement. I'm going to actually pull out some, some facts or some data to prove this point. Okay, so Milwaukee is known to have the largest disparity between black and white students in the country and the rate to which and the rate to which uh, they suspend black high school students compared to white to white uh, high school students is twice the national average. All right. When it comes to reading comprehension for black fourth graders. Milwaukee is is dead last in the country and it has the largest achievement gap between black and white students in the entire nation. So you know how we always talk about um, crime and poverty, you know, one of the main uh, roots of those issues being a, a, a lack of education or insufficient education. Well, we're seeing that the state of Wisconsin and Milwaukee itself are doing a grave injustice to students of color. They are not giving nearly as many resources and putting nearly as much effort into making sure that their black student body is educated as well as the white student body. Why isn't this becoming more of an outrage and why isn't it being addressed more? 
Think about that. Suspension rates being twice the national average. We already knew that nationally, you know, the data says, you know, told us that black students are suspended more than white students. But Milwaukee just decided they wanted to double up on that. And people crack jokes all the time about the South and in southernmost states like Mississippi and Louisiana, stuff like that for their educational, uh, their deficiencies in education. But Milwaukee's in the North. It's the Midwest. Supposedly, it's supposedly supposed to be better uh, when it, when it, when in terms of race, race relations, opportunities, economic opportunities than for, for, for black folks in the South. But we have the largest disparity between black and white students. And they're dead last in reading comprehension for fourth graders. In an article uh, by Ms. Kenya Downs, she wrote how the state budget in, in Wisconsin now allots more funding for corrections than it does for higher education. So we've talked on here before a lot of times about the prison industrial complex, how, I mean, essentially, um, people of color and the poor are being preyed upon by the, the criminal justice system. Um, in essence, it's free labor um, and, and to fill the pockets of the owners of these private prisons. We've made the link. We've talked about how education uh, the lack of education is a source for leading people down a path of crime and poverty. Well, here's a direct link. Wisconsin, the state of Wisconsin is banking on that. They're banking on that, banking on that so much that they would rather put more money in corrections than in their, than their, their educational system. Wisconsin also incarcerates the most black men in the country. And in Milwaukee County, more than half of all black men in their 30s and 40s have served time. Ms. Downs also, you know, even goes on to say that in the specific area code of 53206 or zip code of 53206 alone, 62% of all men have spent time in an adult correctional facility by the age of 34. Now, take in mind all this, these, this data and these numbers that, that, you know, I've spit out and that she has, that I'm quoting her of, of writing in her article. This is all happening even with the black population of Milwaukee coming in at around 40%. So they have a, so it's not like those numbers could be skewed. Like there's such a small population of African Americans. So that way, you know, when, when some are thrown in jail or, or, or whatnot, or you know, incarcerated, or don't test out at a high enough uh, scores and on their exams as students, that that excuse and, and that, that the numbers look worse than they actually are. No, there is a high population of African Americans in this city, in that city and state, but the state itself just isn't investing enough in their in, in people of color. Matter of fact, they're self-sabotaging people of color and looking to to prey on them. So, as I said before, you know, in short, Milwaukee itself is just a racist city. And none of us should really be surprised about how they applauded Josh Hader and his racist homophobic tweets. Now, fast forward 
to you know to the NFL season. Um, I won't be watching. I'll be boycotted again for a second for a second season. But I can almost guarantee if any Green Bay Packer uh, player takes a knee during that national anthem, I'm quite sure you'll hear a lot of criticism or some boos. Barring it be you know their 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 you know their beloved son of the city, Aaron Rodgers. Let it be one of the black players or a player who's not as highly touted and watch the type of criticism he'll endure at the hands of the people of Green Bay and in the state of Wisconsin. Yep, these same people who probably stood and applauded for Josh Hader. I, I mean, I don't even... What else? What other words can we use for this besides it being hypocritical? But after all, that's race in America. It's always been hypocritical. Um, America has grown to be conditioned in fear black bodies, no matter how old they are. America has told us time and time again, quietly whispered it to us, and even loudly and blatantly in front of everybody on national TV, that we're nothing more to nothing more but commodities. And that, that means nothing else. I mean, it's so hypocritical that I've seen people defend the Washington Redskins logo. Mind you, the reason Redskins is an offensive term used for Native Americans is because it comes from a time when Native American people were, were scalped, were brutalized and scalped, and their scalps were sold like animal pelts. That's where Redskins comes from. So, so, so back to like you know what I was originally going to talk about when when it came to that. You see people support that, but I heard of a black gentleman wearing you know I remember Bamani Jones wore a, a baseball shirt with a with a Cleveland Indians logo on it, but it was a white guy and the shirt said Caucasians. So many people were up and up you know enraged about that. Um, another black gentleman wore a red uh, a shirt. Uh, mimicking the Redskins logo, but it was a white man's head in the midst, in the middle of the logo, and it said Caucasians. People were f- offended by that. Why? Caucasian isn't an insult. It's not a slur. A Redskin is a slur. Caucasian is is exactly what m- many white people fill in the box when they are, are filling out demographic information on the survey, on a job application, whatever it may be. So you're offended of being. Um, let me rephrase that. Some white people are offended of 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 being, you know, commodified or um, made fun of with a shirt like that. But it's totally okay to use a slur on a sh- to to celebrate a uh, a sports team for another for a, another ethnic group. If that's truly how you feel, then your issue really isn't the shirt at all. It's not the t-shirt at all. Your issues run deeper. Your issues run with the fact that you're just racist. And it's because of hypocrisies like this that I stand to say that America is not, has not ever been, and may not ever be great for people of color. 
So the hell with Make America Great Again. It, it It's never been great. And I've said that before. I'm not even a huge baseball fan. Although I do root for my Marlins who are having a terrible year. But I can tell you this. You'll never catch me rooting for the Brewers. Or any other fra- franchise that takes the issue of race or racism so lightly. As lightly as they do. Um, even though I've boycotted the NFL as a whole, I gave up on my Miami Dolphins. I used to be a diehard fan of theirs. But then on, you know, catch and win of their behind closed doors policy of punishing players for kneeling during the anthem, at, you know, for uh, uh, for protesting police brutality. I decided even if I was going to support the NFL again, the Dolphins would not be a team that I would root for. Just can't do it. My my moral base, my principles, my 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 dignity won't allow me to support and put money in the pocket pockets of people or franchises like that. And I implore anybody else who considers themselves to be of good moral standing or have some type of of dignity or supposedly has some type of altruistic uh, intent and, and cares about others you should you should feel the same way but only you can determine how you choose to to combat issues like that only you can I can't do it for you you know and another interesting thing is like not only you know does the NFL have a crappy a crappy anthem policy um which into which honestly they they held like a, a a very uh ridiculous sham sham of a vote to do so um you got president Trump chime chiming in chiming in a couple weeks ago citing that the league needs to implement even stricter penalties for players kneeling during the anthem um some of what he some of his suggestions were he suggested four game bans for players for their first offense of not standing during the during the national anthem and a complete season ban for uh for players who uh for their second offense of not standing during the anthem and you know what i i honestly have to say that's the that's one thing that i actually agree with the uh uh uh, uh president trump about i actually think it's a great idea and the reason I think it's a great idea is because that way all players can actually for once stand together, kneel, commit more than one offense, and essentially force team owners to cancel the entire damn NFL season. So ultimately players can see the type of power that they have over the owners. Because money talks. Owners are either going to cancel the season because there'll be nobody left to play and take that hit financially. Or they're going to show that the money means so much more to them that they're going to go ahead and let players do whatever they want to do. That's honestly what I would see coming from a situation like that. So, yeah, NFL, go ahead. Uh, Roger Goodell, all you 31 uh, team owners, 31, 32 team owners, go ahead and take Donald Trump's advice on that on that new stricter policy. I would like to see that. Um. And we'll see what type of league you come up with after that. 
And you NFL players, if you're smart enough, you know what to do. There's strength in numbers. When you hold the hand out flat, anybody could break a, you know, an individual finger. But when you ball that hand up into a fist, it's a lot harder to break a finger. When you guys don't band together and you stand alone, you're like one individual finger just hanging off the palm of that hand, ready to be broken at any time. You guys stick together like a fist, you deliver the blows. Let the league know that you're ready to deliver a blow. Let the league know and the fans know that you're more than you you're about more than just a paycheck. That would be something awesome to see. So, I just had to talk about that for a bit here, y'all. I know some of you guys might say, you know what? I've been listening to this guy's podcast a lot. He seems to talk about racism or social justice a lot. Uh, maybe it gets kind of annoying to some of you. Maybe it gets on your nerves. But you know what? So what? I feel like it's something that needs to be talked about more. Um, I feel like enough of us don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. And to be honest with you, it wouldn't be. I wouldn't have to talk about it that much, or there wouldn't be much for me to talk about when it comes to race or social justice or anything like that. If this country got its mind right, not just the country, but the world. So y'all get t- if y'all are tired of hearing me talk about this type of things, talk about these type of things. Do what you need to do personally to help change the world and make the world a better place. How about leaving me with only positive things to talk about at all times? I would really love that. I would love for our kids to grow up with a more positive world and not have to talk about these issues. I do my part daily. Are you doing yours? Matter of fact, if you are doing your part, I would love to hear what some people are doing to try to make the world a better place to try to get rid of racism and uh, poverty and stuff like that. Because this is one one other thing I got to say about that before I move on to uh, my next topic, which is actually more of a positive one. With all the complaints and stuff that people have about the world, about society, about humanity, if you're not actively doing something to change the way things are going, to change the way this machine is rolling, then all you're doing is feeding the machine and feeding the system. Therefore, you're indirectly, some of you directly, but you're indirectly a part of the problem. You can't stand by and say, oh, that sucks. Racism's bad. Poverty's bad. And think that that makes that all of a sudden means that you're doing your part. You're making improving things and making things better. If you're still going about your everyday life, not working to change things, not working to change the economic structure so that we're getting rid of poverty, getting rid of hunger, not looking to change the 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 structural racism and, and blatant racism that we have going out in the world today, then you're part of that. You're helping push that machine along. You're a part of the problem. And I can understand that some of you want to disagree with me and think I'm full of it or don't like what I have to say. But you know what? That still doesn't change the fact that I'm right about it. So if you are doing something to help change things, yo, hit me up at chilltimepod at gmail.com and let me know what that is. I would love to to do an episode where I'm commenting on some of the great things that some of you uh, positive warriors are doing out there. It would be awesome to talk about that and give and give you some give you some publicity, really. Um, give you some shout outs. Let people know that those who are out there fighting a good fight, that they're not doing it alone. And there are some other great people out there fighting that good fight along with them. Uh, so now I'm going to go ahead and go to uh, 
the last little thing I'm going to talk about, which actually actually happens to be something really positive. And this is uh, about probably the greatest assist that LeBron James has ever delivered in his entire career. Um, and what I'm talking about is a new elementary school that he just uh, helped unveil. So he just recently unveiled his I Promise Elementary School, which is right now currently for third and fourth graders. But in the future, within the next two to three years, I think it'll be going from K to eight. Um, and I saw clips of it on CNN. I read a couple articles on it. And boy, is the school amazing. Um, not only is this guy, first of all, you know, I like to, you know, throw out that I've never been a huge LeBron James fan. Um, but over the past couple of years, I have grown to respect him a lot more because of what he's doing um, in the arena of social justice um, and really speaking out for the underprivileged. But not only just talking to talk, but he's also walking a walk. And I think this school is a very big, amazing example of him walking a walk, not just, you know, throwing out nice sentiments and sound bites, but he's actually doing things. So this school, some different. Uh, so I'll tell you some things about this school. This school is open from eight to five. Um they have shorter summers, so longer school years um, and longer school days. And that's to help uh, keep kids off the street, um, make sure that they get an education. Um, some of the many luxuries that his school offers, um, there's breakfast, breakfast, lunch, and a snack. Yes, I know all elementary schools hold that. But still, it's something that I want to throw out there. He, uh, All the students will get free uniforms. They get free transportation within two miles of the school. Um, and the reason that that is important is because if anybody knows anything about our public school systems, most school systems will not provide uh, transportation to school uh, to students if they live one to two miles with with uh, in proximity of the school. So you're only getting transportation if you're outside that one to two mile radius or if uh, that your immediate area in which you have to walk uh, proves to be a, a bad hazard, like you have to cross some type of freeway or something like that. Now. With part of my job, one of the things I like to talk about is increased physical activity. So I actually encourage more kids to walk and bike to school. But I do think that this is still a positive, especially if you live in the mental middle of the winter. Um, if you live in an area where the winters are extremely bad and it's not exactly safe to walk or bike to school. Um, LeBron is also promising free college tuition to a university in Ohio for all the kids who graduate from his school. They get free bike uh, bikes and helmets and their parents, uh, you know, also get an opportunity to get a GED and take advantage of job placement services. That's amazing. So not only is he, you know, providing for students, um, but he's also trying to do something positive to provide for their families as well, because he's well aware that a lot of the disadvantaged students that um, that we have all over this country um, and that will be going to a school that that is. Um, that is a generational thing and a systematic thing. So chances are, if they're disadvantaged, their their parents were too. Um, and that's something that a lot of people need to realize and think about. You know, oftentimes when you see kids who have dropped out of school, um, not gone far, not done, uh, you know, did well in school, their parents didn't either. So it's 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 a generational thing. It's a learned behavior. Um, and everybody who doesn't finish school, drops out of school, they don't do it because they're lazy. Some of these families, some of these kids are actually working, trying to provide for the households themselves because maybe the income that, you know, mom and dad are bringing in isn't enough, or maybe mom and dad aren't there. So the fact that he's actually also providing services to further education, 
um, and to get jobs for parents is tremendous. And I have to applaud them for that. Um, to me, that establishes uh, LeBron as truly one of the top three basketball players of all time. And to me, better than Jordan. Now, before I get a lot of people willing to turn off their ears and get mad and tell me I'm crazy, when I say he's better than Michael Jordan, I'm saying as an overall person or individual, in my opinion, not as a basketball player. To me, Michael Jordan is still the greatest basketball player of all time, hands down. Nothing is even close. Nobody is even close. LeBron is an amazing player. He's the best in the world. But basketball-wise, he doesn't touch MJ. I understand, too, that that is a generational concept and a generational opinion. You know, my father or my grandparents, you know, they lived in a different time where they might say somebody completely different. You know, Wilt Chamberlain or Bill Russell might be the greatest players in history to them. Some people, you know, measure the greatness of a player by how many championships he won, so on and so forth. It's just almost an impossible discussion to have. You know, Bill Russell has 12 championships. He got a couple as a player and a coach. He, he he was coaching the team while he was playing for it. Many would say he's the greatest ever. You know, but to me, Jordan is the greatest basketball player ever. But as far as the whole person, LeBron takes the cake for me right now. Because Jordan made a lot of money in his days. And even though he might be doing a lot of things, great philanthropic uh, things that we may not know of that are not publicized, these are, I don't know about them. Um, and I don't know many other people who know that if Jordan has done any, a lot of other things for the public. Yeah, he's donated a couple bucks here and there for certain causes. But I think what LeBron is doing um, is essentially providing a PSE change. That is an acronym that we use in my uh, world of public health in my job. PSC means policy systems or environment change. And that means that he is putting together an infrastructure that will change people's whole way of life. He's not changing their, he's, you know, not only is he, you know, helping to change that their, their immediate situation, but he is helping to provide an infrastructure to change their culture in those neighborhoods and the culture of those those individuals' lives to make sure that they can start a new generational trend that tend that trends upward versus you know straight or, or or in a decline the way it has been for disadvantaged families and disadvantaged youth. So you know, as I said, in terms of being a better the best basketball player ever, just based on skill, that's MJ. But right now, folks, I got to say LeBron has passed MJ for me, for me in terms of what he is being able to do um, outside of basketball. The whole, as that, you know, when it comes to the whole person, I got to give a, a shout out to LeBron James. Um, so that's all I really have for you guys today. I know it's been, you know, like a week, week and a half or whatnot since I've really put out an episode. Um, it's been quite busy there, you know, for me at work. But I got a couple more great episodes coming up for which for you guys. A couple great topics, some real interesting topics. Also, some real cool interviews coming up here pretty soon um, with some people that I think you'll really enjoy listening to. Um, with that being said, once again, I thank you all for tuning in and listening to me. Um, I'm your host, William Roar. This has been Chill Time is Will Time. If you have any questions, comments, want to come on the podcast, um, absolutely anything, um, any type of suggestion, 
um, give me a shout out, give me a holler, send an email to chilltimepod at gmail.com. And with that, y'all take it easy. Have a good morning, um, afternoon, a night, and I'm out. Blowing bags, turn to the max, can't turn back.